The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by The Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com, by Michter's American Whiskies, by 291 Colorado Whiskey, and Rackhouse Whiskey Club. Enter Fred at checkout to save $25. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Fred Minnick Show. Oh, it has been a great week. I'm Fred, your host, and this podcast is brought to you by the Rackhouse Whiskey Club. The Rackhouse Whiskey Club is a Whiskey of the Month club on a mission to uncover the best flavors and stories that craft distilleries across the U.S. have to offer. They ship out full-size bottles, no sample sizes here, and cool merch directly to your door. And as always, with Rackhouse Whiskey Club membership, shipping is free. Keep your shelves stocked with interesting whiskeys from around the country. Go to RackhouseWhiskeyClub.com. That's RackhouseWhiskeyClub.com. To check it out, use code FRED for $25 off your first box. That's code FRED at RackhouseWhiskeyClub.com. Hey, everybody. What a great, great guest I have today. I have Ashley McBride. Ashley McBride is so talented that's why she won a big big award at the cmas last year and it breaks my heart that she can't be out performing right now so we get in a little bit about that and we talk a whole lot about what it's like to be a rising star in country music right now but ashley is more than that she is a bourbon 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 fan and i dare say i would elevate her to say she's a bourbon connoisseur she's broken bread with fred no taking tours on all the distilleries so i think she's one of us she's somebody who loves bourbon and loves talking about it and uh she'll sip it she'll sip it and she broke out a special bottle for this tasting folks she broke out a bottle of elijah craig 18 year old unfortunately i couldn't be there to sip it with her Man. So she is from Arkansas. And as always, today's trivia question is based on where our musician is from. I can't wait to share that with you. But first, a word from our sponsors. At Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller, Dan McKee, and our master of maturation, Andrea Wilson, say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery. It's all about the whiskey. Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. 
Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado Whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado Whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Write it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. Really appreciate uh, the sponsors for uh, for the support of the show, especially during this pandemic. Now, this Arkansas is a again. Ashley is from Arkansas, and um, Arkansas is one of these is one of these uh, states that, uh, man, they were loaded with moonshine back in the day. And and they never really made legitimate whiskey. They didn't have much of a reputation for legitimate whiskey. But if you wanted to talk about um, under-the-ground kind of crazy moonshine, I mean, Arkansas is loaded with those types of stories. So the question is, what is the first legal distillery in Arkansas since prohibition. Now, if you know whiskey, this was probably going to come pretty easily to you. So, if you know the answer, go to the comment section here, and if you're watching on YouTube, or uh, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook with your answer. If you get it right, I'll send you a sticker. Now, enjoy this interview with the great Ashley McBride. Ashley, Hi. how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a good day. The sun was out today, which is really helpful. And we're about to drink some good bourbon. We are. So one of the things that I, I don't understand how music awards work, because you've been out hustling since 2006, and you've had some great hits, like including like in 2011, you had a great album come out. You are... I don't think of you as a new artist, So, but I mean, I love you. I love your music. But I don't understand. I don't understand how they classify a new artist. What's the what, what's their rationale there? Help us out. I'm not. I'm not sure how the awards side of it works, but I do know that being called a new artist pertains to have you had any singles on mainstream radio? So if you've not, then let's say Lucinda Williams right now puts a single on mainstream radio, she'd be a new artist, which we all, of course, know that's not true. Um, so it just has to do with how many people on radio have heard your stuff. So it doesn't matter if you've been hustling for a decade or not. Uh, it's you're still considered new. And I don't mean I don't mind uh, being called a new artist. What I don't like is the times that I was called a baby artist. Oh, what is that? That, that, that means they, they'll call you a baby act, oh. which I assume would mean you've never played your own shows before, like you've never open for anyone before, or you've never played guitar before, maybe, because I'm not really sure what the criteria for that are, but that's the only time I took offense to it. That sounds pretty offensive. 
actually. Yeah, we yeah, had this I, baby act. Like at the time, you know, I'm 36 now, and at the time, I'm like, I'm 30 years old, I'm not a baby at anything. You can you can always say like, these tattoos look like they came from a baby. I mean, <laughs> how know. many babies do you know that have this many tattoos? Yeah. <laughs> you I, you know, anybody who listens to your music, I feel like they have to stop and and they can't change the they can't change the channel they can't flip to the next song i mean you have one of those voices that uh, has only happened to me with people like uh uh conway twitty george Strait. just you have one of those voices that makes me stop and i have to listen to you like i can't just go on to the next thing you know and it feels like you are you are emotionally connected to every single song that you sing. And yeah. do you do you feel that when you're singing or is that just something that's just happening and you the, the song takes you over? Um I mean I'm sure that there are some songs that I know that I could sing without maybe feeling it all the way, but not very many. Most of the things that that I perform and that we as a band perform, we do it from the depths um, and songs like Sparrow on the new record, every time we do it, it feels like one of the first times we've ever done it. That, that song we just care so much about, it just kind of bubbles up that way. And so, I don't know, I think that once I get into performance mode, I, I don't care about what happened earlier in the day. I don't care about what happens after we get off stage. I only care about the songs we're gonna play right then. And so everything just has to, it just has to be that way. Well, and right now we're we're in a time when, you know, I I, I co-founded a music festival called Bourbon and Beyond, and we had to cancel it. You know, we had to cancel it in, uh, you know, last year we had um, we had Foo Fighters and we had all these great bands play, and the year before that Lenny Kravitz and uh, John Mayer, and it just it just is it's disheartening that. You know, right now we can't see you on a stage. It really is disheartening. It's hard. It's really hard for us. And I've worried not just about our bank accounts, because if we don't play, then we don't get paid. But I worry about us um, and, and our hearts, you know, and our, our, our health, our mental health or our spiritual health, because we're used to being with crowds. And that's how we get our kicks every day. That's how we get what we need every day. It's just like having the sun to get vitamin D. We have to be with crowds and be with music lovers to get what we need. And um, it, it's, it, you know, it's kind of bleak right now for that. But we're trying to find ways, you know, not around it, but ways, ways to live with it. Yeah, everyone's trying to find their way in music to cope. And there's a lot of streaming going on. There's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people connecting with, with their fans and social media. And thank God we have social media, but it still doesn't beat the real thing. You know, it's, I but again, when I turn on your music, when I listen to it, I feel like you're there with me. I feel like, I feel like you're singing to me in, in some ways, and it's very powerful. So you have, you have a amazing talent, just amazing talent. Thank you. And I'm excited to learn. That I, I, I was kind of, uh, I've listened to you for a while, and I was kind of like, when someone reached out to me and said that you were a bourbon fan, I was like, What? Are you serious? I love to say an enthusiast. But the enthusiast is actually a fan. So enthusiast is a, is a stop 
uh, as a step above uh, fan because enthusiast means you'll you'll spend more money than than a fan. And you'll know so, a little more about why you're spending more money. You're not yeah. just going to buy the expensive bottle because it costs the most. You're going to understand. My favorite thing about bourbons and whiskeys too, but my favorite thing about bourbon is the the whole culture that surrounds the state of Kentucky and where bourbon originated, um, and and the way the people that create bourbon feel about it. And they feel about it. I was told one time I used to play the the bourbon festival in Bardstown, Kentucky, mm. for years, and um, I was there with a distiller one night, and he said, "Time and bourbon aren't worth a shit unless you share it with somebody." That had to be Jimmy Russell from Wild <laughs> Turkey. Was that Jimmy Russell? It was. It, it was. Uh, it was Fred No. It was Fred No. Okay, so that's the only other guy. Yeah, Fred <laughs> No loves the word shit and fuck and ass. So I should have put that together. But yeah, that's a good one. I love that. Um. So what do you when you're out on the road? What do you what are you sipping on? What are you normally sipping on when you're out on the road? It is really it's it's varied over um, the last year because I love to keep Jim Beam on hand. Uh, mm -hmm. Jim Beam is like no matter what bar you go in in the United States, they're going to have it, and mm -hmm. no matter what you add it to, it's going to improve the situation. So if, mm -hmm. if you ask for Elijah Craig twelve year and they don't have that. That's fine. You can also just drink Jim Beam in water and be completely fine and still have a respectable bourbon. Um, we tried to keep Elijah Craig on the bus, but we can't afford it. Uh, even just drinking the 12-year, it's such a nice bourbon. Once you get people, like the band comes back and all that um, after loading in and they're doing their thing, you're sort of like, ah, this bottle belongs in the bedroom. Um, and so we started sipping on um, some stuff from our friends at Jack Daniels, and we've really loved it, especially Gentleman Jack. I've got the um, single barrel select here, too. And if we catch somebody pouring Coke into something like this, we throw a hissy fit on the bus. Now, thankfully, everyone in my band knows how to drink whiskey and knows how to drink bourbon. If you're going to pour something into it besides a little splash of water, then, then just drink a beer. It's okay. I love that. You're policing how people are drinking bourbon in your band. That's well, awesome. Well, you're welcome to anything on the bus as long as you don't ruin it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I wish there were more I wish there were more artists like you uh, who would kind of like, you know, preach that, you know, have this discussion with their band. Because like I'll, I'll sit and we'll sit in a trailer or wherever and I'll have a conversation. And then like the bass player just we'll grab the bottle of bookers and just start, you know, shooting like, Oh, Hey, yo, Whoa. <laughs> my first rule, um, especially with my nephew who is, um, I'm 36, he's 27. So we're very close together, more like siblings. And he came to my house when he was like 22 and said he could drink anything. He could shoot anything when it came to whiskey or bourbon. And I said, well, the number one rule of drinking bourbon is be nice to it and it will be nice to you. But if you go shooting, a bottle of Booker's that's 128.6 proof, you're not nice to it. It's not going to be nice to you. This is something meant to be enjoyed. So do it that way. Ah, that's so true. That is so true. Well, let's. you, you had uh, sent me a list of some of the, the bourbons that you really like, and I have all of them. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and, and the stories to go with them, uh, with, the exception, with the exception of Bib and Tucker. I don't have Bib and Tucker. So in this in this cave of bourbon here. 
I don't have that. Now you like you said you like Town Branch. I found I that Town one Branch. to be that's a that's a fascinating one to, to I like. like. May I? So I won't keep it in the house. Like where did that where, where did that love it. come from? If we're gonna have a party or something, I will get a bottle of Town Branch. But um, even when I was broke all the time, which I'm broke now again, but when I was broke all the time, I would keep a bottle of Town Branch. I would get one, but I can't walk past it without picking it up. Mm -hmm. it, so it became kind of dangerous because I would just pick it up and, and just take a little sip, and before you know it, that bottle's gone in inside two weeks. And now, did you have an introduction to Town Branch, or did you just find it in a store? Uh, it was suggested to me by somebody in Bardstown because I played there mm. for years and years, and I'm sure the conversation went, well, if you like this, then you'll like this. And I got Town Branch, and I freaking love it. Well, right here, this is, uh, this is one of the uh, first single barrels that they did. Uh, this is from uh, 2015. I open just about every bottle uh, that I get, uh, and I share it with friends. But this is one of the few bottles that I actually display uh, because Mark, Mark Kaufman, you know, signed it and it just kind of, it's like a, it's a special bottle to me because it was one of those moments where there was a, there was like new blood in, in, in bourbon and, and town branch is still relatively new. It was founded by, uh, an Irishman named Pierce Lyons and Pierce was somebody who invested so much into Kentucky. Uh, he owned a company called Alltech and that's uh, one of these, one of the largest agricultural companies in the world. And he started investing into distilleries and breweries, and he helped kind of, you know, uh, push forward the scene of craft whiskey in Kentucky. And so this bottle here represents kind of like a new wave to me of, of Kentucky bourbon. So I was really, really uh, just tickled that you loved uh, Town Branch. That that personally meant a lot to me because that meant yeah. to, to, when I saw that I was like. Okay, so a lot of people say that they're a, a bourbon drinker and an enthusiast, but if you like Town Branch or if you know about Town Branch, then I know you're telling the truth. So it's delicious. That that's one that, that you were showing your chops. Now you also said uh, Ridgemont Reserve. Ridgemont, absolutely. So Ridgemont Reserve is, is seven, they changed their that's like their old their old name. They changed it from 1792 Ridgemont Reserve to Ridgemont. You know then. Then it was uh, Tom Moore, 1792, uh, Barton. And they've changed this so many times. But it's 1792 now, and now they've got several expressions. Um, and Ridgemont Reserve, when it first came out in the 1990s, um, they got sued, or was it in the early 2000s? Around that period. They actually got sued by Woodford Reserve because the shape of their bottle and the name were, were too similar. And and they lost, so they had to change it. Uh, and so the the end of the result of several changes is 1792. And if you have a bottle, or if you've had bottles that said Ridgemont Reserve on it, then you actually had one of the older uh, one of the older bottles because I think they took that off. I think they took Ridgemont Reserve off the label probably five six years ago, something like Dang, that. That means I just finished and. Threw the bottle away of one that said Ridgemont Reserved on it. Uh. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like having a Jim Beam bottle that says uh, double aged instead of extra aged. Oh, yep. Yep. And then um, you said that you loved Booker's. I do love Booker's. Booker's is, of course, a really, you, and 
the fact that you are you were buddies with Fred No, uh, that you know this was his dad's baby. Mm-hmm. This comes out in the late 1980s, and it was one of the first uh, small batch pr- products and one of the first like cast strength ones. And it's named after Fred's dad, Booker No. Mm-hmm. And there's actually there's actually a very unique flavor profile that they're always looking for bookers. And I've, I haven't met a release that I didn't like. I've always loved bookers. So good taste, good taste of bourbon. The box that I have these bottles sitting on comes from the bottle of bookers that we've had to finish sadly during quarantine. I hate to see one go, but I love to see them leave as well. But that's, that is the, that's the joy of bourbon, though, as long as you yes. get to sip it. And and right now, we can't really sip with friends. You know, we can't be in the same room. We have to do it like this, which is so it, strange. It It is, but it's still kind of cool, you know? It's still kind of cool. Now, I see you have uh, one of these uh, barrel proofs, one of the single barrels from Jack. Yeah? Yeah. I, I'm going to start with that. And also right here in the glass, this is this. Oh. Very nice. Now I know you just did like a you just did like a, a like a streaming concert for Jack, right? I saw that on I think I saw that on Instagram. How did that yeah, go? We had just started working together um, while we were still touring, and I mean, of course, I love whiskey culture, and uh, I, I'm not even sure how we got connected, but um, once we got into conversations with each other. They said, you know, we love your music. And I said, well, we love your product. And, uh, and we just thought it made sense to work together. Yeah, I have a lot of good friends over there, Jack Daniels. They're really good people. And Jeff Arnett is a great human being, great distiller. And, and these so barrels. Sweet. They sent me a few of these glasses. I mean, I've got, I know I've got snifters, brandy snifters and bourbon snifters and mm-hmm. rocks glasses mm-hmm. and all that, but I didn't have any. What's the name of these glasses? This is this is called a Glen Karen. Uh, the Glen Karen to me is the is the best uh, is the best glass that you can sip whiskey out of, because it helps you find. This is for someone who wants to, you know, really taste and be analytical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can first of all, it's pretty as hell. You know, it like is. a lot of glasses, a lot of glasses don't look so good on Instagram and so forth. You take a picture of that, and it just feels it feels iconic. It's just got that look and feel of an awesome glass. And then, and then the other thing is like, you can really smell a whiskey through this. Like it's not hiding any flaws. And when you smell whiskey, you want to smell it with your mouth open. It helps you relax the olfactory a little bit. I don't know which one you have. These mine's a barrel pick, so. Um, Yours is most likely to taste very different than mine. Yeah, single barrel select. We don't get to pick our barrel until later in the year, which is going to be really exciting. Well, if you need an extra pallet, just let me know. I'll be happy I mean, to come it's along. It's not that far from where you are to where I'm at. and we, it's, you know, so, From here to Lynchburg, it's not very far at all. So I have a funny story for when uh, I picked a barrel. I picked a barrel uh, with Jim Cantore, who is uh, he's the weatherman. He's the, weather, he's the guy that goes... He works for the Weather Channel, and he's like always like he's in the hurricanes and the blowing everywhere. And he's he's that guy. He had this drill that uh, they had this old drill from like 1902, and Jim broke it. They brought him another drill, I think, which was from 1910, and he broke that one. 
And, <laughs> and so they had to dump the barrel to, so the whiskey wouldn't get, you know, get the iron from uh, from right. the drill bit. But, Yikes. Yeah, that's a funny story. That's one thing I don't have that I would see when I would go to the different distilleries um, in, in Bardstown and um, Shepherdsville and in, uh, like Loretta and out that way was uh, a whiskey thief. Oh, I've always wanted a whiskey thief and I would visit Heaven Hill. They would have them for sale. But of course, I'm never mm-hmm. going to use it the way it's supposed to be used. Uh, and so I don't have one displayed in my home. But I think that's also a really cool term, a whiskey thief. It, it is. And uh, I have a lot of friends who are whiskey thieves and my and my wife is a whiskey thief. Uh, but like that little uh, little mechanism that they put in there, it is it's pretty ingenious, you know. Uh, I'll uh, I'll reach out to the people who make them, see if they can send you one. Yeah, well, yeah, even just a place I can purchase one would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll take care of you. That's what we do thought, here. I just thought of a bourbon, if I can jump it for one second. That do I can it. Use. Your town branch oh. bottle reminded me this bottle. She's going in for the bourbon. She's going into her special collection. Breaking out something good. What's it gonna be? It's a bottle of precinct number six. Oh. Um, and so um the limestone branch distillery. Yeah. Uh, is, is run by, of course, and owned by Stephen Bean. Yeah. Uh and oh it's all dusty now. I'm so sorry. But I got to go over there and play for them. And so Stephen signed the bottle for me, his brother signed the bottle for me, and his father signed the bottle for me. And this was right before their father passed away. So this bottle has never been opened, and I can't wow. imagine it will ever be opened. Well, that's a very special. 2014. That's a special gift there. It is a good bottle. For sure. Man, you were you talking about playing at all these places. You were really hustling, you know, hustling oh, and playing yeah. for these distilleries. Absolutely. And I, mean, I played all the bars around Lexington, Louisville, Bardstown. I would play the, the Bourbon Fest, and then I learned that during Bourbon Fest, you can make a little bit of money playing at the festival, or you could set up a PA at this bar and this bar and get one other friend and you can play two to four at this bar and leave and go play four to eight at this bar. And that friend can go and you could just swap out all weekend long and set two PAs up at four different bars and make crazy tips and get to drink really cool bourbons all weekend long because everybody that's there is there to experience different bourbons and they'll come up to the stage and they'll tip you 20 bucks to play crazy about Patsy Klein and say, what are you drinking? Now you have a chance to say, I.W. Harper, whatever you want to wow. say, Peppy Van Winkle, whatever you want to say, because whatever they're drinking is what they're going to bring you. Wow. That's awesome. It was a, it was a, you know, it was a hustly way to be able to taste bourbons, but I also didn't abuse them. If I had something nice like this, like this 18 year Elijah, if somebody brought that to the stage, I would set it back on the sound head and wait until my break and go over and speak to the bartender about it before pouring it into a glass with ice or a drop of water or whatever we're going to do. Because I yeah. just didn't want to. Sometimes it's about the drunk and sometimes it's about the drink. And on bourbon weekend, it's always about the drink. If you're going to drink to get drunk, then you could just drink gin all by itself if you want to. But if you're going to yeah, it's ex- explore the drink and have a really good time, then you should really savor that bourbon. Yeah, and, and I think I think that's always kind of been the mentality in in, in bourbon um, 
and you know certainly there are there are times people don't respect the product and something happens they go down the wrong road or whatever but mo- most of all the the industry and the people who are enthusiasts and uh connoisseurs they tend to really respect it and you know and um you know take care of one another too so yeah well part of you know loving bourbon and, and whiskey is knowing when to stop and you yeah. know you don't always have that skill you learn it but that's true it is definitely learned <laughs> So you have the Elijah Craig 18-year-old. I can't quite see the other bottle. Is that an Angel's Envy this on the other Angel's side? This is Angel's Envy, but it's, it's the cask strength. Um, oh, man, you're bringing the heat tonight. Yeah, this was bottled in 2017. And I've had oh, this bottle for yeah. years because I don't just drink, you know, cask strength on on any given day. It's got to right. be for a special occasion. Much like this Elijah Craig. And when they ran out, I had all of my friends go and buy before- any bottle they could find. Now, before you open that bottle, and and I'm not saying you open it right now, I want you to know that that bottle, you bought that in 2013, something like that? When did you buy this? Yep, it was because I wound up with five bottles of it. This is the last one. Okay, so that bottle is probably, it would fetch a pretty penny if you wanted to sell it to a, a place that could legally buy it or if you wanted to sell it to like a, a bootlegger in the in the street you know that's also an option but a little dangerous well and now uh, you, probably, you can get it you can get 18 year again now right and 20 yeah but it's not that one it's not that one no like no this was yeah this is um you know parker beam was still I tasting the whiskey i have glasses signed by parker beam well because like i said i used to mm. play the distilleries yeah um, I've got glasses signed by craig and parker both that's beautiful. You know, Parker was very special to me. And when when he passed away, I felt like, you know, there was a hole in the in the bourbon industry, you know. Absolutely. I love I love that you you spent time with him and you have some signed glasses. That's awesome. So you I actually have a um Elijah Craig uh barrel sample here. Or actually no, this is a this is a sample bottle of one of the castring products and it is 12 years old this is a a 119 uh i'll go ahead and sip it you you can choose to sip one of yours or or like go back to what you were sipping i mean but uh i i don't want i don't i I would feel bad if you opened that but also i like to tell people you open your good bourbon, and this is something Freddie Johnson really, really established with the rest of the world, is that you open your good bourbon with and for your friends. And, and exactly, you know, I'm looking at a guitar on the wall right now that I love very, very much. They only made 75 of this guitar, and uh, it's the John Prine signature model, and I got it several years ago. And um, it, I keep it on the wall, and normally you don't keep a really, really nice guitar on the wall. But mm-hmm. I don't think guitars are worth anything unless they're being played. Right. They didn't create 75 of those to sit in a case for the rest of their lives. So I think if it's a special occasion and you're uh, in good company. I'm touched. I really am. And by the way, I can there's to be opened. Here it goes. Oh no, <laughs> the top you off the cork. Hang on. I'll be careful with it. It might be Parker saying, hold on now, hold on now. This, is, this isn't the good company you think. <laughs> Before, got it. 
Everything's fine. No. I also keep all my corks. Do you keep your corks? Which I mean, I imagine you'd have a gajillion of them. Uh, you know, uh, I actually spent uh, a couple of weeks in Portugal uh, harvesting cork, and really? and so like my, in, the the cork tree lives to be like two three hundred years, and they just shave the bark off of it every nine years, and that's what they make cork out of. And um, it's if there was a place I could recycle it. I would recycle it, but there's not a lot of recycled plants in Kentucky for uh, for cork. Wow. Does that smell awesome? Yeah, it does. It really does. It smells like the first time I ever tasted it, which was the only other time before I'd ever bought these mm. bottles of it. Cheers, Cheers to you. You know, I was a beer drinker, of course, uh, for years and years. And I wound up playing a show in Kentucky uh, with this cat. And in my hotel room, as a thank you, was a bottle of Elijah Craig 12-year. And I, I knew nothing about bourbon. Mm -hmm. um, I knew what kind of swill we drank in high school. Um, but I thought, you and know. You went, and you went to high school in Arkansas. You grew up in Arkansas. Yeah, and, and most of Arkansas is is dry counties. Of the 75 counties, yeah. most of them are dry. Um, so getting your alcohol is very um, gather whatever money you can at lunch and send whoever you can to get whatever. And whatever they bring you is what you're going to drink, whether it's malt mm -hmm. liquor or it's a whiskey or, or a tequila or whatever. And so, you know, I'm, I'm out with them with my friend. And I said, you know, the, all the stores are closed. And we're not going to be able to get beer, but they gave us this bourbon, and I think we should just try drinking it. Let's just go to the ice machine and pour it over some ice. We didn't have any mixers. We didn't have anything. And we tasted it. And, you know, the very first time, I drank whiskeys before, but I'd never had a nice bourbon. So when you first drink it, you go, God, I wish I had some Coke. And then you don't have any Coke, so you sip it again, and you're like, you know what? This is really good. And so we learned, uh, my friend's name was Secret that had come on uh, on that trip with me. And I, I doubt she's, I think she's married and has a family now, but I doubt she's still drinking bourbon. But that was my first step into the journey and wanting to visit the distilleries and meet the families and be immersed in that culture. Because I think even better than the product, which the products are great, um, is that culture that I, that I have mentioned several times that they're just so inclusive and so generous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I came, um, I got into bourbon uh, professionally in 2006, and, and it's been one of the most welcoming, caring communities, um, you know, I've ever been a part of, and, uh, and I, was, I was in the military, I actually spent some time at Fort Smith in, in Arkansas. Yeah, at Fort Chaffee. Yeah, Fort Chaffee, yeah, absolute, you know, hole in the wall, Fort Chaffee. Uh, I think those barracks were were made in like the 1800s, and because <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, it's not been updated since the hanging judge was was in session. Ooh, it was it was rough there. Uh, but um, you know, the the bourbon world really it really embraces people who want to learn, mm -hmm. and it embraces people that want to have a conversation. It has a tendency to reject. Um, you know, snobbery, if you will, like snobs, the people who are, and 
this coming from a guy who's wearing an ascot, right? You know, but snobs tend to get like the get the boot, you know, in 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 bourbon. But um, it the the world of bourbon is very inclusive. It's very uh, much appreciative of every single human being, and it welcomes all. But it frowns upon. I was a girl singing in a bar, and um, one of the friends of of Freddie No came to me as I was shutting down, and he said, hey, we're going over to Freddie No's house. Um, You should come. And I said, I can't. It's me plus three. And he said, no, it's no problem at all. You plus three. I'll let them know. So I go to the bartender, and I said, we're going to Freddie No's house. It sounds familiar, but I don't know. And she grabs a bottle of Jim Beam, turns it around, and points to Fred No, and said, go to the party. So we go to the party, we knock on the door, Fred answers the door, now I don't know this man, and says, what are you having? And I said, Jim Beam. He said, I meant White Label uh, or, or uh, Booker's. And I said, uh, we're gonna have White Label tonight. He said, but what are you drinking it on? And I said, water. And he said, good answer. And invited all of us in. By the end of the night, me and Sandy No are not only standing on the coffee table, I'm playing guitar, and we're kind of stomping on the coffee table. And I've, I've never had anybody sign any of my instruments. I didn't have Dolly, even though I love her. I didn't have Winona when I met her. I didn't have Miss Yearwood when I met her sign my guitars. But I had Stephen Beam, Fred No, and Sandy No sign the back of my J45. Because not everybody gets to be around master distillers. People that are the master of a craft that very few people get to be. Oh, that almost makes me tear up. Right? You know? That's how I felt when I started spilling this 18 year. Oh, man. I'm going I'm going to drink a little uh little Booker's and uh and that memory. That's uh I mean, you just you just expressed You just ex- I by the way, this I haven't opened this bottle in uh 4 years. So but you just expressed everything that I love about bourbon. And you know it's a it's an amazing community. Yeah, they'll they'll just open their homes and their hearts to you, and and um, you know give you their products not in like a promotional way, but ask you to partake of their product with them. I went to a mm-hmm. party on the Maker's Mark um, uh, property, and they call it Noville out there. And I get out there, and it's a flatbed trailer with outlets, and it's just uh, it's just crock pots. It's covered dish and crock pots. And there's probably, I mean, there's less than a hundred people there with their lawn chairs and everybody's playing music and, and playing horseshoes and all that. And I've, I've never seen another industry. I mean, of course, country music is very inclusive, but I've never seen another industry that is so inclusive that they would take a stranger from the bar on Thursday night and take them to a party in their home or on their property. You know, and and I think the reason why I'm I feel myself getting really emotional right now, and get this, you're making me emotional. You're not even singing, um, is because like you know I have a genuine fear of like that's never going to happen again. We're not going to have those moments because of of isolation and the and, and COVID and everything. It just it scares me to death that the the bourbon travel industry is dead. You know, I mean, it's on it, pause, it could. It's on pause yeah. but it's going to be safe for us again. 
And it's going to be safe for us because of our friends and loved ones that are on the front lines that are literally risking their health so that we will be able to go out and do this together again. And it will be safe. And we may not play arenas, probably not for the rest of this year, which sucks, but, but maybe on a smaller scale, we can play some shows. Um, hopefully not everything is live streaming because doing a bourbon tasting or experiencing things like Bardstown and Shepherdsville and out there at Maker's Mark, um, that's, you can never do that virtually, but it, it's okay to, to be worried about it, but it's not okay to write it off as dead yet because yeah. this has been through worse things. It's waded deeper waters and come out dry. Prohibition. And it waded deeper waters and came out dry. So we're going to be just fine. We're going to be just fine. Cheers to that. You can't kill her. Uh, little Ashley McBride therapy there for uh, for me. <laughs> no charge for that. A little bit of wisdom. <laughs> it's funny. My wife's a shrink, and I'm just going to I'm going to show this to her. I was like, see, see that's 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 therapy, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> You could have a you could have a uh, like a new thing where you do uh, you do bourbon therapy with people. That was yeah. I mean, I've, I've always considered bourbon to be therapy. I found actually, I found Jesus or God or whatever you want to call that. I found Jesus and bourbon in the same year. It's you. There is no separating the two for me. I found acceptance as a whole inside these products. Uh, and, and universally. So there, there's really no way to separate it for me. And I was raised really strictly religious, Church of Christ. And of course, they'll, oh, yeah. you shouldn't be drinking. And no, 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 you can drink. You can't give yourself completely to it, but you can. And I'm telling you that the first time whatever made us showed itself to me was when I was experiencing a bourbon too. I, I I'm begging you to to write a song that I found uh, Jesus and Bourbon in the same year. I'm begging you to write that song and sing it. <laughs> when I first drank Elijah Craig Twelve Year, I wrote a song called Elijah Craig. Imagine that. Um, I did, I kind of looked up you know who he was and and what his story was, and uh, we had this term at the time. My friends and I, of course, we wouldn't do that with an, a bottle this nice. But let's say we just opened a regular bottle of whiskey. We would open it up, throw the cork on the floor, and stomp it. And we would yell, stomp the cap, save my soul. And so mm -hmm. we have to sit here until the bottle is gone because we're not going to waste it. And so I wrote a song about Elijah Craig. I'll be happy to I can record it and send it to you. Um, it's, that would yeah, be amazing. Not the most you know, I know. song ever written, but Parker and Craig both got to hear it. I know. Uh, if they got to hear it, uh, do you know if... Uh, Maybe the folks at Heaven Hill heard it because I'd love to. They would love Beam, to hear that. Linda Beam had asked me for the work tape of it. Um, I played her daughter's. I play, I'm like the Forrest Gump of bourbons. I played her <laughs> Linda, Linda, who was married to Parker. I played her daughter's 40th birthday party in a barn outside of. It had to have been Shepherdsville, um, mm -hmm. Kentucky. Yeah, that's where they live. Um, and and I played that song and I was like, you know, I was just exposed in the last year to. Elijah Craig Bourbon, and I started playing it, and she came up and told me who she was, and I was sort of like, oh, you know, and she said, we would love to have a recording of that, so they have heard it. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I, you know, when I interview people, I never know, I, when I interview people for the first time, I never really know where, you know, things are going to go, how the conversation will go, but I will tell you, something has happened in this interview uh, that has never really happened to me before. And that's like that same intensity that you bring in the in your music, 
I have felt it throughout this interview. You you got me emotional talking about the people that I love and care about and the industry that I love and care about in a way that, you know, I, I just think is beautiful. I I'd love to see you do more bourbon stuff. I really I think you could to. be and I I think the reason when I when I when I, you know, play a song, it feels like when I talk about bourbon is because um educating or selling or entertaining. They're all the same thing. They're to me, they're the transference of your passion to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I, so, hopefully, any anything I talk about, music education or bourbon, like hopefully anything I do comes comes across that intensity. Um, mm. My dog is coming down the stairs, and he might jump on the couch. Just fair warning. Um, but it makes me really, really happy um, to have gotten to have. You know, it's pretty rare I get to have a conversation with somebody that knows what I'm talking about. When I talk about the water that they use for Maker's Mark, it's very rarely in a crowd that somebody just mm -hmm. doesn't call me Whiskeypedia and go about their business when I'm trying to tell you something important about the culture. Yeah, I mean, and really, like I've, I've written several books on bourbon. I'll send, I'll send them to you. But I, I've written several books that, you know, kind of go around the history and the folklore. And a lot of the, a lot of the marketing points and all that, it's all... Most of it's bullshit, and that's that becomes part of the culture of like folklore and BS and and whiskey. But it to me, it it always is the people. It always begins and ends with the great people of of Kentucky. And another thing, like you grew up in a state in Arkansas that had a little bit of a moonshining ring, uh, you know, back in the day. There there's some good moonshiners coming out of Arkansas. I always thought that Arkansas. Arkansas could have been like a uh, a really great whiskey state if they didn't have um, you know such strict laws and right it could uh, have been religious if enforcement there weren't such strict really strict laws. In fact, I've I've never had a drop of moonshine that came from my home state. I've had Tennessee moonshine. I've had a lot of Kentucky moonshine. I used to buy it out of the back of this um, Caprice in Bardstown by the court. From this guy named Porgy, and I don't. He he said he got it out of Hazard County. I didn't ask. I would just buy four quarts at a time, and that was how I got into moonshine. And it was the non-flavored. It was just you know, just white dog, um, which I loved because at the time there was a movie out called Lawless. Oh yeah, that was based off of a book that I just read called The Wettest County in the World, and I loved that that book. And so I really got into not just bourbons, but but white dogs and white mule, and um, like Buffalo Trace has a really good. Um, white meal too um, but really getting into that and I still love corn liquor but I know that if you're at a bonfire and somebody's passing around corn liquor I'll allow myself one pull because if, after that second one you're going to forget you had the first two and you're going to take a little bit bigger drinks and you do not of all the hangovers you'll ever have in your life you do not want a moonshine hangover be nice to it it will be nice to you <laughs> I love that. So uh, what's uh, what's next? What's next for you? You know, I'm hearing today that we're not going to be able to tour until September. And uh, so I'm hopeful that we get to do that in September. And I don't know what our landscape looks like if we're not touring. I've, ne I've never been home. I mean, in the last six or seven years, I've never been home this long. Then I just moved into this house when the pandemic started um so i've really gotten to know this house and how to clean it but all i can think of is we have to find a way as a band 
to be together safely. And there's only five of us. So it's not like we're gonna have more than 10. Um, we mm -hmm. have to find a way to, to rehearse or jam or s somewhere in a, in a room big enough that we can be far enough apart um, to be safe. Of course, we don't wanna be part of the problem. We, want, we don't wanna further you know, the virus in any way. So we wanna make sure we follow all the rules. But all I can think of is you know, um, here in just a few minutes, a, a co-writer of mine, Nicolette Hayford is coming over. When she gets here, um, she will watch me wash my hands and I will watch her wash her hands. And she'll sit down just over here in this ugly orange chair and we'll write songs tonight. And that's all I can think is hopefully from now to September, we have the opportunity to uh, reset how we write songs. For me, I've been going outside as long as it's not raining and listening to a record top to bottom. And it doesn't matter if it's Brandy Clark or Brothers Osborne or Eric Church or James Taylor or Jim Croce, listen to it top to bottom because that's how a record was supposed to be listened to. Somebody put a lot of thought into putting that record together. So hopefully we get a reset as writers and we get a reset as listeners and fans of all kinds of music to go mm -hmm. back and really take things in. Maybe make a meal. And I don't care if you're making tomato soup and grilled cheese, put a record on before you start making your meal and try to pair that. And if you wanna pair it with bourbons, great. If you wanna pair it with whatever else you're drinking, great. But try to take this time to fall back in love with listening to music top to bottom, fall back in love with tasting a bourbon for the first time, fall back in love with reading a book. We're going to have to use it as a reset. Otherwise we'll be depressed and we won't get out of bed. Well, I'll tell you what, the world needs to hear you talk right now. So what, however many interviews you can do, whatever Instagramming you can do, whatever, but you, you are an inspiration. You've, you've given me a lot, um, I know this was an interview for my podcast, but I believe in things. Uh, everything happens for a reason. There are no accidents. And you, I'm telling you, you, you've lit a fire under my ass. You know, you've got me, you got me thinking. And I have, I've been working hard in this whole pandemic. I think we all have. We've all been trying to find a way to survive and working hard and everything. But sometimes it just gets to you. You know, sometimes. Oh, it has really gotten to me this last week. There, it was 10 o'clock in the morning and I couldn't make myself get out of bed. And I mm. thought, if you don't put real pants on today, your real pants ain't going to fit. And if you don't play your guitar today, just imagine if I knew a 15 or a 14 year old that plays guitar and they told me that they were locked in their house for a month and didn't pick their guitar up one day. I would say, you're not a guitar player. You're a hobbyist. And so I had to lay there in the bed all depressed and be like, put, get up, put real pants on. You're going to put a real shirt on, you're going to put a bra on, and you're going to go play your guitar. And it doesn't matter what you play, but you're going to play your instrument. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think I struggle with putting my pants on, too. But uh, fortunately, <laughs> um, so this is uh, to, two, uh, to two new friends uh, struggling to put their pants on and getting through uh, the pandemic. The pants-demic at this point. The pants-demic. <laughs> But everybody, listen, if you are not listening to Ashley McBride right now, you are doing yourself a huge disservice if you are, um, even if you're not a country music fan, because I know a lot of you all are rockers. There's a little bit of rock, there's a little bit of soul in this one, so make sure you go checking out the Ashley McBride. Do you actually have a favorite place for people to find you? Because you're, you're, you're everywhere. 
It is everywhere. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Google Play. You can get it on iTunes. My favorite way to listen to it is on vinyl, which you can get as well. Um, you can get it in Walmart or wherever you find your wherever you find your music. But um, uh, I've been using my Bluetooth speaker a lot during the pandemic, um, making sure I'm pumping music all through the house. And I did want to say, I, you know, you, you save bourbons for a special occasion and for friends. And I'm glad that we're friends now. And I had the opportunity to open this bottle. Pleasure was all mine. Ashley, you are a great addition to Bourbon Nation, and I'm sure this won't be the last time we're talking. And I'm just going to sip this one last time. Mine's for Booker's. Yours is uh, for from Parker. So cheers, my friend. Cheers, buddy. Wasn't Ashley cool? I mean, she's the type of person like we need in bourbon, right? But I think more than that, you all got to see, you know, she's she's also very, like, therapeutic for people like me. And she's got a lot of uh, wise words there. We will get through this. And I know it's oversaid, probably in some circles, and people constantly want to try to figure out how to, um, you know, how to make this pandemic better. But I think just listening to someone like Ashley makes it all worth it you know makes it all it makes us able to get through it and go check out her music on spotify apple she's so talented she's so amazing i really really do hope you all check her out so give her give her a, li- a listen when you get a chance now next week's guest um you know i've actually got i've got like 30 interviews in the can and I've got some amazing names in the can, and I'm just like, I'm struggling here. Like, who do I put next after Ashley McBride? Because even if you're a big name, Ashley is hard to follow up with. So I'll be making that decision. If you want to, you want to make sure you don't miss that. I'm going to be posting on Instagram my um, the artist uh, that I have coming up for the next like four or five episodes. So go follow me on Instagram. That's at Fred Minnick. And also some exciting news on uh, the live tasting front. I am now able to do uh, private tastings. So basically the pandemic took away my entire year's worth of live events. Like my live events were bourbon and beyond and I would go into people's homes and I would do all of these fun things with people at restaurants and across the country and it's just gone and I don't know when it's going to come back but I have enjoyed what I'm doing on YouTube and I've enjoyed these uh, opportunities to have like virtual tastings and talk to people so I partnered with uh, Topeka.live now this is a company that does stuff with musicians they bring musicians into your home virtually for private lessons and stuff and so they've asked me to do uh, private tastings with people and so that's what we'll be doing i'm very excited about this i think it's going to be great it's going to give me an opportunity to talk about the history of bourbon again it's going to give me an opportunity to talk about like how bourbon is made and it's going to give me an opportunity to do what i did in front of bars and restaurants and on stage I can't wait to get back to that. I really can't. So go to fredminnick.topeka.live to to book me or learn more information about it. And we've got regular classes uh, starting at $50. So I think it's well worth it. Now that's going to do it for me this week. Thank you all so much for, for tuning in. Oh, I didn't. Did I give you the answer to the trivia question? 
I don't think I did. No, I didn't. So the answer to the trivia question is Little Rock Distillery. Little Rock Distillery comes on the scene in 2010. They make start making really good whiskey. I wrote a couple stories about them uh, when I was with Tasting Panel, and uh, they've done a really nice job building a brand for themselves. Dave Pickroll was one of the uh, was one of the major you know voices in getting them going. So uh, it's very exciting to see where they are headed and you know what's in the future for for Little Rock. But Little Rock Distillery was the first distiller after prohibition or i should say first legal distillery in arkansas after prohibition so that'll do it for this week and i want to thank you so much for tuning in i know there's a lot of places you could go and that it's a great joy to share this uh to share this moment with you so you all have a great rest of the week and uh make sure you're following me on twitter instagram and facebook you can always hit me up, too, on fredminnick.com. Now, as I close out, please remember, be safe out there. Don't lick handrails. Don't lick trash cans. And remember, this is very important. Vodka sucks unless, unless it's being used for hand sanitizer. Then it's okay. Cheers, everybody. Be safe. You've been listening to The Fred Minnick Show, brought to you by The Beeline. Visit findyoursippingpoint.com by Michter's American Whiskeys. By 291 Colorado Whiskey and Rackhouse Whiskey Club. Enter Fred at checkout to save $25. For more information on Fred's books, articles, and more, just go to fredminnick.com. <laughs>